Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined, as always, by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 169 of Twin Suns Transmission, and today we are going to be talking about the final two episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars that we will be getting. This was a fantastic end to the series and I can't wait Jesse to start talking to you about our last episodes of the Clone Wars I know such an emotional you know last couple of days here but I just can't help but just be so grateful that we got to complete it and it was everything we could have hoped it would be even though emotions ran high yeah (laughs) yeah definitely and I, I you know, we'll talk about this, of course, but I'm just happy that Dave got to finish it in the way that he wanted to finish it. You know, not just yeah. cut it off halfway through season six and leave us all hanging like, what happened? You know, right. um, but yeah, I'm very excited to talk about it and uh, we'll get there shortly. But I hope everyone had a fantastic May the 4th. I know I did and we were pretty busy here at Twin Suns. We each of us did a live video, so if you have not seen those videos, definitely go check our social media pages. Uh, mine and Amanda's are going to be on Facebook, and then Jesse did hers on Instagram. Um, and we'll give you guys those uh, social media handles if you don't already know what they are. Uh, we'll kind of go through that a little bit later. But it was a lot of fun. I had a, I really enjoyed my May the 4th. Um, got to play some Star Wars Battlefront with some of my friends and... Uh, my cousin did like a Star Wars DJ mix on Facebook Live for everyone to watch, and I, I really enjoyed it. I had a great time on May the 4th. Yeah, I did too. I'm so glad I caught that tail end of your cousin's uh, DJ party because that was really fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thanks, Dan, for doing that. We appreciate you uh, spreading the Star Wars love, and yeah, here's to next year. Woo! Yeah, it felt it felt good though. Like it it did feel like we were all together. Like I feel like we were all in contact all day long, and yeah. between interacting with everyone on social media, I had friends just you know messaging me just to talk Clone Wars that I haven't talked to in a while, and it it just it did it was it it was less like sad than I thought it was going to be. All home separated in quarantine. It was it was still <laughs> yeah. really fun. Yeah. And we got a lot of stuff, you know, between the Mandalorian and the Clone Wars and the Rise of Skywalker and everything, um, and all the merchandise and sales and things. So uh, it was definitely a full day. So hopefully you guys enjoyed your May the 4th. 
And um, before we start talking about the Clone Wars, let's go ahead and talk about the news. And there was a big piece of news that Star Wars came out with yesterday, which was very exciting. And it turns out that Taika Waititi, who uh, is actually IG-11, um, and he also directed the very last episode, the season finale of The Mandalorian for season one, he's going to direct and co-write a new Star Wars feature film that will be released in the theaters. So that's very exciting. So he'll be working with... Christy Wilson Cairns. I don't know if I'm saying that last name right. Uh, Christy Wilson Cairns, who will be working with him uh, on the screenplay, which is really cool. Yeah, I feel like I just kind of got introduced to him through that very first episode of The Mandalorian documentary. Um, He was really funny. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. He seemed like a really cool guy. I'm excited to get something from him. And he did win the, he won an Oscar. He won uh, Best Adapted Screenplay for Jojo Rabbit. So uh, this guy's the real deal. In addition to that, so we also got Leslie Heedland. She's going to be developing a new untitled Star Wars series for Disney+. Plus. So this is, uh, this is cool. She's going to write... Uh, she'll be the executive producer, and uh, she will essentially be serving as the showrunner for the series. So, very excited to see what that's about. I know. I'm so excited for all these untitled and new things. There's just so many loose ends that we have throughout the Star Wars timeline that they could pick up or they could do something completely different. But it just feels good to know and to like see them working towards the future of Star Wars after the wrap-up of the Skywalker saga. Yeah. Uh, so we don't have release dates for any of these things um, that they just announced, but at the end of this article, they sort of confirm that we have a lot of great stuff coming. The Mandalorian is in post-production for Season 2, and then, of course, we have the Cassian Andor uh, series that takes place prior to the events of Rogue One. And then another series that's coming out that will be following the adventures of Obi-Wan Kenobi between Star Wars The Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So, so much on the horizon that I'm very excited to see in the next upcoming year or two. Yeah. Let's go ahead and begin our discussion on Star Wars The Clone Wars, Jesse, and we've got two episodes that we're going to be discussing this time so normally we do one but um as always i'll hand it over to you okay well this these last two episodes were just an emotional roller coaster to say the least um we knew how this series was we we didn't know how this series was going to end but we knew we were coming up to order 66 and it was just a matter of how we were going to see it you know from ahsoka and rex's point of view and I can't even begin to start like an overall feeling. I want to save that to the end. But um, starting with the episode called Shattered, we really get, you know, a quick reminder of where we're at. And it tells you right away that we are completely overlapped with Revenge of the Sith. And we get to see that through Ahsoka actually joining in on that council meeting with Mace Windu and Caddy Mundy and um, who else is there? 
Uh, Yoda, Aayla Sakura. Right. And that is actually the tail end of a meeting we actually saw in Revenge of the Sith. So, I mean, there's so much to unpack in this short little meeting. But something that I thought was crazy was Ahsoka kind of like emphasizes herself as a citizen and not a Jedi. And when Yoda poses the question, like, what do you mean? Like, not not as a Jedi? She says, no, not yet. Right. And I think, so this is something that I really want to talk about because I feel like, and we talked about this before too, right? When earlier in the season, when we see Ahsoka, I think it was the first episode of the uh, Ahsoka Martez sister arc, where we see Ahsoka, her bike crashes down, right? And she she looks up toward the surface. And mm-hmm. we, I think a lot of us collectively viewed that as like, up there was my life. And now I'm trying mm-hmm. to learn how to go about my life, not as a Jedi, but as something brand new. And I don't know if I made the right choice. And I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. And... I feel like after her experience with the Martez sisters, she almost kind of was confident that she was doing the right thing. And then when she goes back and she sees all the clones that are, you know, have their armor painted like her and are calling her commander and are being super loyal. And then she sees Anakin and she gets her lightsabers back. That's when I feel like she's almost like, I don't know if I made the right choice, you know? Yeah. And then when we get to this scene, talking to Yoda and answering Yoda, no, not yet, I feel like it was almost as though she wanted to let the Jedi know that she was still contemplating it a little bit, you know, and that she was still like on the fence. Right. I I would 100% agree with everything you said. And I kind of was thinking back on Trace and Rafa as well. And and while I agree that like when she left them, I, I think she was in that mindset of, of I've made the right choice. But uh, like you said, not to repeat what you're saying, but when she did return and like you said, warm welcome, everything was so beautiful. I feel like that when Trace and Rafa kind of said to her that she is what a Jedi should be, or she's what a Jedi, what they would want a Jedi to be. I almost think that maybe that's something she could have started to rethink and be like, well, this war is coming to an end. Everything's coming to an end. You know, I, I don't agree with the way things are happening with the Jedi now, but maybe I could be what the Jedi should be and I could come back and help back to that. Is, right. Is kind of what. I started thinking of her being a possibility for her. Yeah. Um, and as as fans, we know what happens. We know Order 66 is coming. We know that it's going to wipe out a bunch of the Jedi. We know that Anakin's going to turn into Darth Vader. But from her perspective, she doesn't know any of that. You know, she... Right. At this point, she is thinking that maybe there's a way for her to potentially return to the order but change it a little bit right and it's like she wants to talk to Anakin like not only I feel like to address the whole Maul prophecy situation but I I wonder if she wanted to so badly wants to talk to Anakin to kind of see to get like clarity on whether or not she should return you know 
Anakin from day one has been, well, maybe from day two. He was a little skeptical of her from day one. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but um, you know, since the beginning, he had had her back, and they became so close and so tight. You know, they had such a tight connection, the two of them, that I feel like after everything that Ahsoka went through with the council banishing her from the order and stripping her of her, you know, Padawan status and, and all that stuff, um, throughout that whole thing, Anakin had her back and he was the one that reached out and handed her back her Padawan braid and she closed his hand and he was the one that chased her out of the temple to try to get her to come back. Anakin had been there, you know, throughout this whole time. And so I think from Ahsoka's point of view, telling or asking for advice from like Mace Windu is probably not something that she's going to want to do at this point, you know? Right. And speaking of Mace Windu, but he is rude (laughs) during (laughs) this meeting. I mean, we've seen how he treats Anakin and uh, I feel like he's doing that same thing to her. Like he's being like condescending and he like re after she set, calls herself a citizen, she, he's like, well, this meeting's not for citizens and yeah. like gives her that look. And it's just like, ooh, like you could turn me to the dark right now. Like <laughs> he's so, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Mace Windu has always had that, like that edge about him, you know? And yeah. we see him in episode three, like, use the dark side. And that's what's so crazy about Mace Windu is that he he practices Form 7 in that Vapod fighting style where, you know, very few people can actually do that and and succeed with it. But, like, he, he kind of does have that, like, jerky attitude about him throughout a lot of the series you know he's he just doesn't take crap from people you know and i feel like in the middle of a war and you know the end of the war is coming and it's so close and we can just almost get there and grasp it and ahsoka's like well i'm not a jedi you know and mace Windu's like fine you know get out of here yeah then get out yeah yeah he has no time for it i get it but whoo yeah it was that was quite a Quite a quite a comment there, Mr. Windu. Yeah, and then Yoda, being his you know sweet little old man self, hangs back and gives Ahsoka her one last opportunity to get a message to Anakin or to out Anakin, basically from this prophecy that she's heard from Maul. Yeah. Um, like, what what do you think about her decision to not tell Yoda or the Council? about this possible prophecy like obviously she she doesn't believe it but it's it's really scary to not share with with anybody that possibility yeah i think for me if i was her i probably would not have told them either because this like mace windu said you're a citizen you're not you know she's not a jedi and so it's not her duty to bring what she knows to the council anymore you know she doesn't have to write council reports she doesn't have to you know fill out paperwork for her missions <laughs> she's there because she's trying to help her friends who need help you know Bo-Katan and mm-hmm. and you know keep Rex alive and and you know do what she can for Anakin too because Anakin's her friend and so I think she wanted to bring the information to Anakin first and I don't think she should be faulted for that yeah I totally agree I think she wanted to give Anakin you know that chance 
to defend himself if she's going to talk about him or to show himself as as this whole thing being false. But yeah, we know she never gets that chance, and sadly, we know why. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's go back a little bit um, and talk about Bo-Katan. I love that first kind of like little interaction that we get um, at the very start of the episode with, you know, Ahsoka talking to Bo-Katan and telling her that she, you know, learned from the best and she's talking about, you know, everyone, you know, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Rex, Padme, but now she's also talking about Bo-Katan and all of that. Um, and Bo-Katan kind of responds with, I wish, I wish I was good at something other than war, which is, it's kind of a surprising, like, growth for her character, you know, because we're introduced to her as, like, this ruthless death watch, like, anti-government extremist. Yeah, because if you think back on it, Mandalore and Mandalorians have always been warlike people, and then when Satine came in and sort of brought this idea of pacifism to Mandalore, it sort of put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. And after seeing everything, and Bo-Katan was part of that, like you said, part of the Death Watch and part of this, you know, cell of Mandalorians who defected to the to the moon of Concordia to just get away and sort of were even willing to team up with the Sith and Dooku and the Separatists mm -hmm. to get their planet back. Now here we have Bo at the end of this one saying, I wish I was I was, you know, better at something than war. Now granted she said she never understood Satine's idealism, but I don't know. I think like you said, there was a lot of growth there from Bo's perspective. Yeah, I feel like that moment really gets us to where we find her later in Rebels, you know, taking up the handle of the Darksaber and yeah. getting ready to lead a new Mandalore. I feel like this really shows her getting closer to that point. Yeah. So moving forward, um, we get this really beautiful Rex Ahsoka bonding moment where we really get to see just how much they've grown together and, and how much they care about each other. And we get to hear both of their kind of perspectives and reflections on the war. We've got Rex, you know, admitting that the clones have mixed feelings about the war and Ahsoka contemplating, you know, that she's always been a soldier, even though the Jedi are supposed to be of peace. Um, so I, this, this was another part where I was like, this felt like Ahsoka contemplating returning to the Order because things were heading toward a time of peace. But Yeah, I mean, I if you look at the situation that they were in, like on Mandalore, they had won. You know, the battle on Mandalore was over. Gar Saxon, uh, what's her name, uh, Rook Cast, they were all captured. Maul had been captured, you know. Mm -hmm. And the new Grievous was about to be confronted, at least. Yep, Dooku was already dead. So, like, from their perspective, it's almost like the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's funny, I'm just thinking Ooh. that now, because they're in a light tunnel, like, going through yes. hyperspace. Wow. But, um, you know... Wow, yeah. From their perspective, like, it's... They feel like it's almost over, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just the end of one war and the beginning of another. Ugh. And, uh, yeah. It's it's just such a strong moment between the two of them. And 
it's just all the more heartbreaking that right after this, you know, Rex gets called away. Ahsoka starts hearing this horrible conflict between Anakin, Mace, uh, and Palpatine. Yeah. And then it all goes downhill from there. (laughs) Um, And we get that moment. We get Order 66. But there's it's it's different this time. It's not just a full turn. Rex has that moment where he's trying to. It, it seems as though he's trying to resist, mm-hmm. and he is yelling fives, fives, go find fives. And I just wanted to know what you what do you think it is about Rex that makes him different than all the other clone experiences that we got have gotten to see um, that allows him to briefly resist order 66 well i think fives is is a big part of it because not a lot of clones were in that area when fives was talking about the chip and talking about the betrayal of you know the kaminoans and and all of them um Mm -hmm. so i think fives did play a big part in that and i think rex should you know granted he should he owes ahsoka his life but he also owes Fives his life. I think Fives, you know, got in his mind, and I don't know how much of Rex's mind was intact during that time. Like, how much of that was really Rex, you know, in there, or was it just something that was like Fives that was like in the back of his mind speaking to him, like, this is what I was telling you about almost. But I also think that Rex, more than maybe any other clone that exists, was close to his Jedi commanders and generals. I mean, Anakin, Anakin was not your typical Jedi general. You know, Anakin was not taken as a child, as a, as a, you know, a baby to go to the temple when he was two or whatever. He had already developed those attachments, developed connections with people. And I think, you know, he, he had an attachment to Rex and, we see that throughout the Clone Wars. And I think through that, you know, he became really good friends with Ahsoka and they have a strong bond. And, you know, some of the Jedi aren't like that. They they view their clone commanders as, they view them as people, but they view them as their clone commander, not their friend, you mm-hmm. know? And um, I think it would be really hard for Rex to kind of turn on his Jedi like that without any sort of just, like, question. I feel like with Rex... Being that he was so close with his Jedi that he would just, you know, a, a switch would flip and then it'd be a totally different Rex. Yeah, so. I totally agree. I, I do think it's that, like, deeper bond that he has with Ahsoka and Anakin. I, I think they're just, due to being under Anakin for their whole lives, are just more willing to and more comfortable with forming attachments. So, yeah. I, I do think that played a really big role in it. And they the other clones are asking him too, like, are you, what's wrong? Or like, are you okay? He's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm just tired. You know, none of the other clones had that issue. Like, it seemed like all the other clones, even Jesse, were like, okay, let's do this. But Rex had, I, I could be wrong too. I don't remember if he like dropped to a knee or, or not. I don't remember if he did. But it seemed like he had a little bit of a hesitation and, and he basically just said he was tired, you know. Yeah, and he kind of, he like falls forward at first and all the other clones are about to shoot her and he actually stops them. He's like, no, I'll do it myself. And then he allows himself or he's able to get 
that like couple of words out about fives before he like loses all control and just shoots at her. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like that also goes to what we see later in Rebels where he says everyone has the choice. And I mean, I think when I saw that in, in Rebels and he talks about removing his chip, I kind of was under the impression at the time that he had removed his own chip. But now seeing what we've seen, I feel like his reference to everyone has a choice was like that moment of just getting out what he needed to get out, even though he couldn't really control much else about the situation. Yeah. The first time I watched it, I was confused too, because like you said, I thought it meant that he had taken out his own chip and he was able to get through it that way. But as I watched it, and this is kind of what I came up with first, but I do, I do agree with you. I think that is, I think that is uh, kind of what he was referring to. But um, as I continued to watch it, like the second, third time through, to me in my brain, when he says everybody has a choice and points to his scar where his chip was removed, to me it was almost like Rex felt bad that he didn't trust completely in fives. You know, he was mm-hmm. skeptical. Like he he. This was his brother that with Echo and Fives, I feel like Rex had no better friend. Maybe Cody, maybe Cody. But, you know, Cody's not in their battalion. Cody is in the 224th, I believe, and Rex is in the 501st, obviously. So Rex had a lot more time with Echo and Fives than he did with probably Cody or any other clones. So, you know, you have this brother that you've been with for probably years at that point, multiple years, maybe two years, that's telling you something. And, you know, I think with Rex, he had that idea in the back of his mind that, like, maybe that could be true, but he didn't necessarily trust him completely. So. I mean, what an overwhelming thought though to like I mean what could he have done at the time other than do what he did like he reported it you know to Anakin even though that obviously didn't go any further because you know it would have been hushed up by Palpatine immediately as we saw but I mean what like in that moment it's not like there's anything a couple of clones could have done at that time yeah to change anything it was going to be what it was going to be but it's rough seeing the clones like Jesse that, you know, have uh, been, I think it was season two where we first got introduced to Jesse. So he's been in this for five seasons, <laughs> you know, right? or six or six seasons. He's been with us for six seasons and you see him work with the five first and now he's shooting at Ahsoka, you know, I know and I'll... Rex by the end of it. It's probably one of the hardest things to watch. Like, I feel like from this moment on through the next episode, I just had chills. Yeah. The uh, entire rest of the time from here till the end. It's a tragedy. I feel like the pre- the whole, all of the prequels, honestly, it's a, it's, it's a tragic story. It's, it's a sad story. So this, you know, smack dab in the middle of it and there's no way. have a happy ending (laughs) but see this is exactly why i love episode three like you love ahsoka so much and anakin Mm -hmm. is my favorite character and with episode three it's a it's like essentially the same thing with anakin we've got this character that we've seen grow and it ends badly for them but it connects like episode three connected the original trilogy to the prequel trilogy for me 
And this Clone Wars connects not only the prequel trilogy, but it also goes into Rebels and even beyond. Who knows what, what's going to happen with Ahsoka, you know, in the future. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, I don't know if you feel this way about these last this last season of Clone Wars, because I know that you don't watch episode three as much because it's sad, but, like, this is super sad too, you know? So yeah. I don't know. It, yeah, I, I I feel like I've kind of gotten over my sadness of episode three, especially recently, like revisiting it after probably over a year or more of not <laughs> watching it and just go, uh, being in the time that we are with Clone Wars going on and just ha- finding a whole new appreciation for it because it, it had been so long that I had watched it, watched it that you forget the important parts and all I was remember, remembering was like the sadness, <laughs> to Anakin be completely honest. Anakin on fire, Obi-Wan being like, sorry, (laughs) bye, like all that. Um, Well, now with everything that we've got in this arc of Clone Wars, watching episode three is going to have a whole new meaning. 100%. I so badly just wish I could. Somebody needs to do it. I'm sure somebody's working on it right now. I want to watch it right exactly where we start overlapping in clone wars to exactly where we are and then just on top of each other like one screen over the other yeah. all the way through exactly how it lines up would be super cool to side by side watch yeah but yeah but getting back into this episode a little bit here um ahsoka you know is overwhelmed at that point and what does she go do to give herself a bit of an advantage? She frees Maul <laughs> from the <laughs> scary Jedi prison that bo just had laying around for him. Um, but I, it's this is another part where it was just interesting to see how... I mean, Maul is obviously such a formidable and powerful character, but he's so fatally flawed by his own, like he's so wrapped up in himself. Like he immediately thinks that she's like there to team up with him and that he's all, she's all of a sudden gonna like just jump on his bandwagon and follow his lead. Yeah. So I'll be like, no. <laughs> and if you think about it too, that brought me back to episode three and the conversation that Anakin has with Palpatine. He goes, the Sith and the Jedi are similar in almost every way, including the quest for greater power. You know, and you go to this episode Maul thinks Ahsoka's there to help him. You know, I'll take a lightsaber. You know, uh, you're misunderstanding what I'm doing here, you know? Yeah. Um, And granted, Maul's not a Sith at this point, technically, uh, and neither, and and Ahsoka's not a Jedi, but here they are essentially on their respective sides, and, um, you know, I think Maul, being the selfish person that he is, because Anakin goes on and he says, well, the Jedi, the Sith think inwards only about themselves and the Jedi are selfless. They only care about others. You know, and we have Maul here at this point, probably full of rage after Ahsoka. Well, I mean, he, she freed him, but like, she's not there to help him. Like he feels like bait almost, you know? And so he's, he just, he just, I think it's in this episode, right? Where is it this episode where he's like moving through attacking Um, the clones? I think he, well, yeah, he does it in both episodes. He, he starts here. Okay. This is the one where I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, like what are we watching? 
what are we yeah. watching? This is not a kid's show. Like, it gets so dark so fast. Yeah. And it, it seems like all the time that we get dark in this show, it's because Maul's in it. You know, Maul is such a dark character. Yeah. He definitely is. I feel like just even watching him go through, it was almost worse not having a lightsaber. Just watching <laughs> him, like, crush everybody just into nothing. Like, Did he... Was, was this... I, to me, it looked like he literally took a part of the ship, launched it at some clones' heads, and, like, decapitated them. Uh-huh. I think he did. Yeah. Like, that's... <laughs> that is not... That is not normal. No. And wasn't it him, too, that, like, kind of pulled a clone's arm into getting mm-hmm. ripped off by the door? Yep. Like... Like, this is straight out of, like, the Mandalorian first episode where he pulls that guy through the door and, like, cuts him in half. Like, that's what that reminded me of. Yeah. That was was the first thing I thought of, too. Maul got... He unleashed all of his ruthlessness that I think he held back to try to win Ahsoka's side and just let it all out. (laughs) Yep. Causing chaos. Yep. Um, But while Maul is, you know, wrecking everybody in sight... Uh, Ahsoka goes and finds uh, her old droid, R7-A7, and some other droids uh, to kind of aid her in uh, singling out Rex. And I'm going to deviate from what's important here a little bit. Uh, Is Cheap Chopper? (laughs) Somehow. Is he Chopper? I personally don't (laughs) think so. Because I, I feel like a lot of them, like if you look at some R2 units, you know, you got the the R2 units are the newer models. So the older models like like Cheap and Chopper are not um, are not around as much. I feel like those were, you know, kind of older. It's like having an iPhone 4, you know, <laughs> or whatever. <Yeah. laughs> um, but, you know, while the sounds are the same, a lot of the R2 unit sounds are the same, too. I think it's yeah. just a I think it's just an older model. And we do see in Rebels, uh, Chopper take a little bit of time with a Y-Wing that had crashed on Ryloth, um, which is where Hera pulled him out. So I don't personally think so, but I, you know, I they are the same model. So yeah, I don't know. After my final like rewatch before this episode, I did start to lean away from my own theory. Um, I really wanted to bring it up because I've been seeing it all over the internet. And I feel like there is some small shred of possibility that I'll hold on to a little bit um, because, you know, Ahsoka and Rex did leave in a Y-Wing. So that means there were other Y-Wings potentially around. So I don't don't know. I I feel like it's possible. It could just be something that's meant to remind us of Chopper as like a callback. Yeah. uh, Connecting everyone back to Rebels, which we know they're all going to meet again there. but and I, I was absolutely convinced that at the very end they had cheap with them. There was like a droid underneath the Y wing, and I like got all close up to my TV during this last rewatch and like had my eyeballs like inside the screen basically, and <laughs> it was R seven A seven very clearly. So yeah. it was not cheap. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's like a fun little theory to explore, but yeah. I wonder if Cheap is a jerk like Chopper. I know. I wonder if Dave (laughs) Filoni voiced Cheap (laughs) just like he voiced Chopper. Um, But yeah, maybe somebody tweet Dave Filoni. Maybe I will. Um, (laughs) (laughs) See if we can get some answers out of him. 
Um, but from here on to like more important things, um, <laughs> besides a random side theory, um, we see that they're all successful in isolating Rex and Ahsoka is able to get him into the medical bay and uh, start looking into getting him back to his normal self. Um, and we see very quickly that this chip that she now knows what she's looking for. She has seen the files. She saw Rex's report. And now the scan's not picking up the chip. And I just thought that was interesting that it's it's like not even able to show up. I'm also confused yeah. on that. Like, why is it just because, I mean, on Camino, that's where the chips were implanted. And, you know, you could do a quick search with all their high tech, you know, machinery. And they're just using like droids that are not necessarily meant for like, I mean, there was a medical droid there. And the mm-hmm. medical droid was the one that was trying to search for it, right? Because it seemed right. like, yeah. But that, I don't know if scanning for like, implanted technology is that droid's strong suit but yeah i don't know i i also wondered maybe it's because order 66 was already executed maybe Maybe. it caused some sort of like issue with scanning it i don't know i wondered if like that was you know fives and rex kind of outed themselves you know early on about having these suspicions and i'm sure that's something that they didn't just say oh we successfully you know got them to stop thinking about this chip let's just move on i feel like palpatine would have you know been like thought ahead this is his this is his one and only grand plan that he's been working on forever so i wouldn't be surprised if after they almost became privy to what this chip was really intended to do that he took extra precautions maybe in the droids and the technology that's given out to the republic and maybe just made it so that they didn't have the capability to scan this particular chip. I don't know. Ahsoka's not fooled. Ahsoka's not fooled. And we get the beautiful mantra that we first heard from Chirrut Imwe. I'm one with the force and the force is with me. Um, And it just made me so happy to get that and to kind of see that it wasn't just something that Chirrut you know, was reaching and grasping and so desperate to connect with the Force. It's like an actual real thing that the Jedi must use to connect yeah. with each other. If I'm not mistaken, I think, was it Obi-Wan? Or I think it was Obi-Wan in uh, Master and Apprentice that uttered this too. I couldn't remember. I know we've heard it at least like one or two other times in recent readings and things but i couldn't remember who exactly i'm pretty sure it's in master and apprentice at least one of the times and i think it was obi-wan that said it okay yeah it's it's just that that moment that like where she like grabs his head and they connect through the force and he starts saying it too i just feel like that mantra now has such a deeper meaning time to get a tattoo yeah, I've been talking to you so much about all the tattoos of Star Wars that I want after this. <laughs> I'll be covered from head to toe next time you see me. Yep. Um, um, Jesse, why is there a Millennium Falcon on your forehead? Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I watched Solo the other, yeah. the other day and <laughs> couldn't get it out of my head. Um, literally. Literally. Um, but we kind of end this episode with, 
you know, Rex successfully having his chip removed and him and Ahsoka are back in the team up. And I just, I just want to gush about the the moment where he's like, yeah, kid, I'm okay. And he <laughs> like just becomes Rex again. And they, it's the, their relationship, the two of them is just so sweet. And it's just, it's so nice that they had each other through all of this because you could see how difficult it is for Ahsoka to, like, it wasn't easy for her to just, like, run around and evade all of this. She is in a losing battle, and if he doesn't wake up, she's not going to make it. Yeah. So it just, I'm glad they had each other. The one thing that stood out to me about the end of this episode and after wait, uh, Rex wakes up is Ahsoka asks him about, okay, we, we got to find more information about this. You know, how widespread is this? And Rex's response gives you goosebumps. You know, it's like, and this is after he had already shot some of the clones because the door was still open and he wakes up and he shoots and the clones, the clones go down and the door closes and then the droid tries to seal it. And then that's when they have this conversation. So Rex has already taken out, like not on stun, shot them. um, And she's like, you know, well, how widespread is this? We got to figure this out. And he's like, Ahsoka, it's all of us, the entire grand army of the Republic. You know, this is, this is with everyone. And to me, I was just like, no. And then like the episode ends and I'm like, oh, come on. You know, I know, but it's, it's like Ahsoka is one of those people where I feel like it's, something I relate to very, very much where if you really want something to happen or you really want to fix something, you'll do anything and everything to just get that one thing in your life to happen Mm -hmm. or to work out or whatever. And I I feel like I'm that person that's always just, if I really want to go hang out at somebody's house and I have 85 other plans that day, I will figure out a way to like get over there. Like, I don't know. It's very trivial comparison. But, (laughs) like, she has that moment where she's like, can I fix this? Can I save them all? And Rex is just like, no. Worse. It's over. Yeah. Well, she's a good role model. I think you picked a good one. I agree. Unlike me, who I have Anakin who, like, murders (laughs) children and, you know, (laughs) stuff. But whatever. You're still good in him. Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk about that a bit later. (laughs) Um. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it for this episode. Um, Before we move on to victory and death, was there anything more that you wanted to explore from this episode? Um, Not really. I mean, the only thing that I really kind of wanted to talk about was, uh, and we talked about it already, was Order 66. You know, I think that was the big thing in this episode, seeing the clones turn. And it's something that we had anticipated, you know, since the beginning of the season. It's something that, you know, once we overlapped into episode three, we could kind of tell it was coming. And it was just that moment where you're just like, oh, no, like, I know this is going to happen. It's going to be bad. But. You know, seeing Order 66 happen from multiple different viewpoints of Jedi during this time and and sort of create this, like, massive idea in your head of what Order 66 is. Because it's more than just the Jedi getting shot down in Episode 3. But yeah, Order 66 from different perspectives, I think, was something that I really enjoyed seeing in this episode. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um 
And I feel like everything we got in this next episode we're about to talk about victory and death was almost like a bonus. Like I, it's more than I was expecting to get. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you felt that way too. But I feel like it just far surpassed the point in the timeline that, that I thought we were going to be able to see through Clone Wars. Um, I mean, Order 66 did that already for me in the first place. But this final episode was just... It's almost like I have all the words and none of the words all at the same time. I don't know if you're feeling the same way that I am about this episode. but Well, I think just right off the bat, the chorus at the beginning, while the the words are showing up on the screen, I mean, yeah. that just immediately, with the music, it, it puts you immediately in the state of, like... Danger? Like, danger and sadness and, like like life and death almost like you feel desperate like you just I don't know maybe that's just me but like I just I felt anxious and like defeated almost you know yeah no I feel like this episode was meant to make you feel like that crushing weight of there's nothing you can do about this this is all going to happen and hopefully you make it out with your life but yeah but you, you can't control it. You've lost this giant war you've been fighting all this time. Yeah. It's, it's like too much to even process. And we're not involved. <laughs> <laughs> we're just sitting in our living rooms with like a I cup know. of coffee. and Yeah. I feel so attacked. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, most of this episode, there's not a lot of words. It's just action and watching you know the two of them um escape with maul still running around in circles wreaking all kinds of havoc um we see maul destroy the entire inner workings of this massive ship and they start barreling down towards an unknown planet um i don't know if you have any intel on or any clues about what planet that was but to me i i have no idea I don't. I don't think so. I'm pretty. Didn't they? Ref, is it a moon? I'm pretty sure they refer to oh, it maybe. as a moon. Um, but I don't know. I don't know anything. I mean, obviously, from the end of this episode, it kind of looks like snow. So, right. like, could it be Hoth? I don't know. But um, I always imagine Hoth like not. Ha- I mean, that this is just in my imagination. I don't know for sure, but I always just imagined it as like solely an ice planet like the the seasons don't change and when they first land it doesn't seem right 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 so yeah my i i don't think it's hoth but that's just obviously hoth is not the only snow planet in the galaxy so (laughs) um but yeah i don't i don't have any idea yeah but i think probably one of the most emotional parts in this entire series um, is in this episode when Ahsoka and Rex are kind of arguing a little bit and discussing whether or not they're going to use fatal force against Rex's brothers. And even just like the, the moment where you, it looks so real, like it's animation, but the quality of the animation and the way they, you know, actually physically moved their bodies and just the moment where Rex 
looks up at Ahsoka and like sees him through that helmet right before she takes it off. It was just like I I almost felt like I was watching live action. The animation was so yeah, it's amazing um, how far they've come with that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, but what do you think that moment kind of says about, you know, both Rex and Ahsoka and their different kind of perspectives of from clone to Jedi being a part of this war from the beginning? Deciding whether or not to use, you know, this, what to do and whether or not to kill or not these their brothers basically yeah i think from rex's perspective it's either kill my brothers or lose the war kill my brothers or surrender you know and that's right. why i think rex gets so emotional about it and you know because these are the people that he literally shared bunks with these are the people that he had food with in the mess hall these are the people that you know they scrubbed their weapons down together and they they you know they trained together and they, they worked as a squad, they worked as a team, and now they're standing between you and a ship to get off, and they all have their inhibitor chips still in, and they're all going to kill you, and they don't care. They will shoot you, they will shoot Ahsoka, and for him, it's like, I don't I don't want to surrender because I'm a soldier and I know what my duty is, but at the same time, if I don't surrender, that means I'm going to have to shoot and kill my brothers, especially right. Jesse. Um and I think with Ahsoka, I mean, she, she's not that Rex isn't confident in his abilities, but like Ahsoka is a force user and she's an incredibly good force user. And I think, you know, she's very confident in her abilities. And if things go awry, she feels confident in that she can take out a lot of the clones without killing them. Um, and so I think it was her kind of talking him down a little bit and getting him to understand that there is another way and that she's got a plan. And, you know, she thinks it's a good plan, but who knows? <laughs> like, I I think in that situation, there was no better person to stand there with Rex than Ahsoka. Yeah, I completely agree. And that little tear that we see roll down Rex's face. Yep, that killed me. That for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, and but I do I, I agree with you. I, I love that Ahsoka gets to kind of reaffirm, you know, who she is and what she stands for. And she's kind of also, you know, the same way, you know, they're willing to die to get to her. She's willing to die to do the right thing. Like if she, if not killing any of the clones is what leads to you know, the end of Ahsoka to the end of her, then she can at least, you know, die knowing that she didn't hurt any of her friends. Um, yeah. So I felt like that was very, very true to Ahsoka's character for sure. And I think, you know, when, after we watched this episode, we, we watched it at the same time and we, you know, got on the phone afterwards and yeah. uh, you made a really good point, too. Like, Ahsoka is doing everything that she can in her power, even not being, like, a part of the Jedi Order anymore, to save these clones and to, you know, to not bring harm to them. Even Rex gets, you know, shocked by her droid, and she's like, we're trying not to hurt them. Like, <laughs> you know. know, like, and that's just, you know, trying to get Rex, you know, under control versus, like, this entire battalion that they have out there. 
But in episode three, Yoda just does a backflip and decapitates some dudes, you know, so he just doesn't care. And that was a good point that I thought you uh, made because it's it's true. It's the way it is. And even when Obi-Wan and Yoda were breaking into the temple, you know, they're just taking out clones like it's their their job. So I, I just feel like it also just drives home that like like Ahsoka is even though she's not a Jedi and she's rejected being a Jedi and we know she continues to reject being a Jedi all through Rebels, she is more of a Jedi than any of them, in my opinion. I think that holds true with Trace and Rafa going back to that last conversation she has with them. They're like, I don't care, you know, who you think you are, but you act like a Jedi, you walk the walk and you are what, you know, everyone would want a Jedi to be. Um, I'm wondering if war, if, you know, this ongoing war for years and years affected a lot of these Jedi in ways that it didn't affect Ahsoka. Like, I'm interested to see if in the High Republic, what the Jedi are like there, you know, when we start getting the High Republic content. I'm so interested in that because it's just something we, we have never, we've never seen them at peacetime. They always talk about it. We hear them talk about how nice it was and how they can't wait to go back to it and yeah, but we never actually get to see that really. So yeah, I agree. That will be so interesting. But but yeah, it'll it'll be really interesting to see. You know, get that side of the High Republic, and maybe that's where Ahsoka was truly meant to thrive as a Jedi is during that time. But yeah, that is not what she got. Um, <laughs> but. Our kind of next big moment that we have here is Rex and Ahsoka trying to uh, kind of trying to outwit Jesse, but I think also at the same time, they kind of were hoping that they could find a loophole in the order where they're like, Yeah, she's not a Jedi, remember? <laughs> <laughs> Just hoping that that could all be solved, but obviously they had a plan B going at the same time um and they just had to keep them talking but i just felt like that was such a profound and sad moment to have to stand there and face you know all these clones that had gone out of their way you know not only jesse but everyone else who went out of their way to to paint their helmets to show in solidarity how much they appreciate and accept ahsoka and her return and now they have to stand you know face to face with all of them and and they all have their blasters pointed like they're in, you know, well, at least Jesse does. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all like in formation and, and ready to block Ahsoka and Rex from getting to the shuttle, getting for to where they need to be to escape, you know. And the ship is like going to crash. So yeah. they're just all willing to just die if Ahsoka dies, you know. Right. Yeah. It, everything runs that deep. They're just like different i mean they've always been that's how they've always been programmed to be and they're always they've always been ready to die for whatever you know the republic throws them into it's just sad to see their like free will basically like it's no longer a cause that they believe in it's just a cause that they were made to they didn't have a choice yeah sadly they didn't I just feel like I never really thought deeply about that 
as much as I do now after, you know, seeing Clone Wars. Like if you just take everything you learned and knew and grown attached to that we've seen these clones grow through seven seasons now of Clone Wars, you take all that away and you're just kind of like, oh, those jerks just turned on the Jedi. Like, forget them, (laughs) whatever. Yeah, Yoda, decapitate everybody. Um, But this, like, really makes you just look at them and care and just, it's so much more tragic now just seeing their free will get ripped from them. Yeah, it really is. And it, the thing that makes it worse is because we get all this information in the Clone Wars and we get to grow with some of these clones and, you know, I was 18 or something like that when I first got introduced to Rex. Now I'm turning 30, (laughs) you know? Right. So, like, we have grown with these characters and you get attached to them and in Episode 3, you know, we we had only had the clones from Episode 2 and Episode 3 and so you don't really connect too much with the clones from that brief time period and now seeing them and seeing fully what they go through and when they were so close with fives and fives has such a sad story because he was right there trying to save all of his brothers and it just wasn't enough you know right and he he ultimately got shot by the clones you know so it's it really is sad it really is sad seeing everything crumble the way it did And the whole rest of this episode, I mean, it's just a gut-wrenching episode. Not much more in the way of words is exchanged, I think, pretty much the entire time. Um, We just see how crushing and difficult it was for them to escape. And I just, I'm so surprised in myself almost that, I mean, we knew they lived. We know they both make it out. But they still managed to make it such a suspenseful and gut-wrenching escape yeah um, that I was still sitting on the edge of my seat so I truly applaud their visual storytelling uh for the latter half of this episode it was just incredible yeah and I think it really is like you said it's a testament to how great they are as creators you know and I think I even said this about the Rise of Skywalker too. Like basically, after Ben Solo has that conversation with Han, the only thing he says is "ow" when he jumps on the chain to help go save Rey on Exegol. Otherwise, he doesn't say a single <laughs> thing in the entire second half of the film when he's Ben Solo. You know, so I think they right. did a fantastic job in that way of just telling the story without dialogue. And I think one reason why people like Ahsoka is because she's like just a wrecking ball i mean she just is unstoppable she gets shot a bunch of times yeah she you know has that ray moment where she's literally like holding that shuttle in the air um with the force like holy crap like you know you're not the daughter of palpatine or the granddaughter you're just ahsoka and you can do it you know Right, and, and she's also, like, at risk of being flung out of a crashing ship all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that she made, she had to make that decision between keeping Maul suspended in the Force or helping Rex. And she made that decision to help Rex. She jumps in front of him and she starts deflecting blaster bolts. And then she does that little thing where she throws her lightsaber on the on the ground yes. and does that circle and brings her lightsabers back up. Like, this is just insane. You are the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker. And we are well yeah. aware of that. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. And we've seen 
I love that we've like seen Anakin do that so many times, I feel like. And she still managed to like do it in a whole different way. And just it was so surprising, even though it was just something we've seen time and time again. They still made it something new. And yeah, I love that it reflects on her training of Anakin. I love that you said that. Yeah. And then we get another, you know, whole falling from the falling with style um, scene (laughs) again, which we know Star Wars loves. I love that we got, you know, that already with her and the siege of Mandalore, you know, showed us how capable she is falling with style. So um, it only made sense that she was able to get herself out of this one as well. Um, And she doesn't look worried. Like when they show her like running and like... (laughs) Like, she's like, man, this is she's, easy. Yeah, she just kind of has, like, her arms spread out to kind of slow the fall. Yeah. Oh, look, there's Rex. I'll just grab that. <laughs> oh, oh, missed it this time. I'll come back around. I'll get it. Like, <laughs> I'll get it the next time. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> um, but obviously, they make it to the ground, and we get these final scenes of the entire entirety of all of Clone Wars, where it's almost like it's the art of these last final scenes was out of control. Gorgeous. Just seeing, you know, all these helmets, especially Jesse's mm-hmm. amongst this memorial. Um, it was just heartbreaking to see and to think about how they had to go back and they dug everybody out of there like i don't know it's just i remember when when this season first started and we first got to see jesse in his arc trooper armor i was like so excited because like oh he's an arc trooper now because he's got the pauldrons now he's got the camera you know uh, like his little skirt thing and i was like that's so cool like they're really showing us these clones are like moving up and you know um obviously with Echo and and Fives being ARC Troopers, it's cool to kind of see Jesse follow in their footsteps a little bit. Um, And I'm assuming he was an ARC Trooper. It looked like it based off his armor, but um, I was really excited. That's one thing that I remember outwardly speaking. Like, I said that out loud when we first saw him in this season. Like, they're in the Bad Batch arc. And now his helmet's on a spike. You know, and it's like, wow, this changed quick. Like, (laughs) I was so happy that, you know, he's moving up and then all of a sudden now he's gone. So it really does get you. Yeah, it was an emotional scene for sure. Um, And then we get to see um, something we knew Ahsoka did from the Ahsoka novel. Um, She leaves behind the sabers that she was so recently re-gifted from Anakin And, you know, her leaving these lightsabers, it's just kind of makes you think, these last few scenes, how much Ahsoka, you know, really understood what happened with Anakin. Because I know we know further along in Rebels, um, she seems very shocked and unwilling to believe that Anakin is Vader. Um, And we know going back kind of to the beginning of uh, Shattered, or not the beginning, but somewhere in Shattered where, you know, she actually hears Anakin having, you know, his come to Vader moment. Um, 
And I just kind of wonder what she, like, what do you think she truly makes of all that? Do you truly think that she believes that he's just dead, just like any other Jedi was killed by their clones? Or do you think she suspects something deeper? I think it's almost like that five situation, you know, where you get told something and then it's in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we have these chips in our head. Okay, sure. But then, like, that's in your brain. And you don't just forget something like that, you know? So I think it's very similar to what Ahsoka has with Anakin. Maul says that Skywalker is being groomed to be, you know, the next apprentice for the Sith. And, you know, I think she just, she's Mm -hmm. like, no, that can't be. And then she knows that all the Jedi got shot down and, and, you know, so I don't know. I think maybe deep down in the back of her mind, she suspects that, yes, you know, it could have happened. And it, it's it's maybe even likely that it, it's true. Um, but she just, does, I don't think she wants to believe it. Knowing, like, the Anakin that she knows, that's not something that he would do. And I think that being with him for so long, she understands Anakin almost maybe, maybe not more than Obi-Wan, but, like, probably right after that you know ahsoka ahsoka is fully aware of who anakin is and the fact that he is good and wants wants to do what's best you know yeah i feel like after being through something as tragic as this experience especially after you know all the tragedies she's faced with you know being framed and being exiled from the council and making the decision to leave when she's being offered to come back. And that just would so mess with you. And to see her potentially maybe contemplating coming back and then getting this thrown at her, like I just almost feel like it was too much for her to comprehend and to process that all of this could be because of Anakin. And it was just far easier to let that slip and be like, Anakin's dead everyone's dead it makes sense for him to be dead and i mean how else do you move on if you don't you can't sit and dwell on that because it's already so crushing yeah and i think too like talking you know i haven't read the ahsoka novel in a long time i listened to it once like years ago when it first came out but um so i don't i don't remember what the dialogue was i don't remember if there were you know inner you know whatever she was thinking at that time Um, when she leaves her lightsabers or whatever. But in this episode, to me, just from watching her drop the saber and the way that they filmed it, right? So it's like rolling back and forth in her palm. And like Mm -hmm. like she like almost drops it, but then she like her fingers curl back up a little bit and then she drops it. And, you know, that could have been just like a dramatic thing. But to me, it was almost like that still truly believing that the Jedi are, you know, the Jedi Order is not where she should be, but also, like, she pulls it back up and then drops it. Like, she still right. isn't necessarily sure if she made the right choice, you know? I don't know. To me, it was it was almost like that's what's going on in, in her mind, like, back and forth. And that, that lightsaber is a symbol of the Jedi, you know? Right. It's almost too, like, you know, b- before this moment, she still had a choice and kind of just like the clones had their choice taken away from them. So did she. And I think in that moment, she kind of, you know, really has to let go. And it's hard because we did see, you know, signs that she may have been thinking of coming back to the Jedi order and wanting to make a difference in the Jedi order. And that's all been taken away from her. Every possibility, every hope 
that she could have had about reuniting with Anakin, it's all been taken from her. So I, I, I love that you point out that rolling of the lightsaber because I feel like that it's like a it's just hard to let go yep. of all of that. And the mm-hmm. the hilt of that blade or that that lightsaber hilt was the one that she started in the movie. That's that's her main one. She didn't get a second one until season three. So yeah. the one that she dropped was the one that she's had since the beginning. Her youngling lightsaber. Yep. And then we kind of get the mirror of this, which to me seems like it had to be at least like months and months later because it's not just like a little bit of snow rolled in on that memorial. It is like frozen to the ground. That helmet that we see at the end, the clone helmet, is like frozen completely in ice. There's ice stuck to Ahsoka's saber. Even when Vader goes to just brush a little off, it's still covered in like thick ice. So yeah. this had to be quite some time after seasons have changed and we kind of see you know, Anakin, I keep wanting to call him Anakin, but Anakin is technically dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's Vader. Um, he kind of has that inverted moment, and it's just interesting to kind of think about what he might be thinking in that moment. He's he's returning to this site. He finds Ahsoka's lightsaber. He sees Morai. You know, Anakin is still in there. We know he is, even though he's technically not. (laughs) It's very complex. Um, We know what he's been through. We know he knows what Morai, the convoy, you know, means from the Mortis arc. And that's kind of in how I've always viewed Morai is the tie of Ahsoka to life. Because we know that Anakin was able to bring Ahsoka back to life through the sister um, during the Mortis arc. So part of me, I mean, I guess I just want to know what you think. Do you think that Vader in that moment truly believes Ahsoka to be dead? I don't know. Like, he knows that's her lightsaber. He knows that's, you know, he sees the helmet there. That that, that, that is where Ahsoka was. Maybe he thinks that she was taken out by Order 66. Maybe he thinks that she got, she crashed, you know, on the ship. But in in Rebels, when we see Vader flying around in his ship and he's like, the apprentice lives. You know, I don't know if that was a confirmation of a suspicion that he had or if that was like, like a revelation, like, oh, she lives. Like he thought she was dead. You know, it's hard to say. But we know he takes the saber. You know, it's another one of those, like, Anakin attachment things, you know? He kept them for Ahsoka mm-hmm. to give to her later. Or maybe he just kept them just to keep them. But um, now he's got it again, you know? Yeah, this moment was so... It, it was just a swirl of so many thoughts. Because it's... It's so sad because it's seeing that final, you know, finality of Anakin is Vader and here he's returned to this really horrible sight that we just saw Ahsoka and Rex leave. And it's trying to put my thoughts into words here is even difficult because (laughs) (laughs) it's so hard to wrap around 
who Vader is because he can say all day that, you know, he's killed Anakin, but we know in the end that Luke is able to bring Anakin back out, that there's still good in him. Um, and I, and I also think about, you know, we know that Vader kind of like hunted down or was on the hunt to get, you know, all these remaining Jedi who survived order 66, um, he waited a while to go to Ahsoka. If he was truly like 100% ruthless and uncaring about her in any way, shape or form, wouldn't that be the first place he would go? Like if he truly wanted her dead, he knew, you know, the last place he knew better probably than anyone, the last place she would have been. It, it's. I just thought it was interesting that you know there's ice over you know her location, and he came back at a certain point where it you know she could have very easily had a lot of time to get away if she did survive. It's really I don't know. It's, yeah, it's really just weird to think about how much of the surviving Jedi do the Sith know about because in Episode Four. Vader goes to Tarkin and says, he is here. And Tarkin's like, everyone can have surely He must be dead by now, you know? Um, right. So I don't know if Vader was keeping secrets from him or if he truly thought that Obi-Wan was dead too because he's like, you never underestimate the power of the Force or whatever he says. And, you know, obviously Obi-Wan's there. Um, and then in episode three with Palpatine and Yoda, Yoda goes to confront Palpatine. He's like, Master Yoda, you survived. You know, like he was like, I don't know. I don't know. We know that, we know that right. fight didn't end with a, a clear winner kind of ended in a draw and the uh shock troopers basically told palpatine that you know they can't find him and they're gonna look for him uh referring to yoda so i don't know how much about like surviving jedi that these um you know sith lords are completely aware of because they go into hiding and they you know even kanan doesn't have his lightsaber out in the open for a lot of the time and mm -hmm. you know they're they're an ancient order and even tarkin says to vader like you you my friend are all that's left of their religion so i think a lot of the empire and you know the galaxy as a whole think that these jedi are completely wiped out and obliterated so I think it's just a select few that Vader's been trying to hunt down and having the Inquisitors go after. Um, so I don't know. I, I think, like you said, I think maybe because of the amount of time that took place over, you know, from when he was Vader to when we see, you know, him kind of really try and take Ahsoka out, maybe he did think that she was gone. I, I, I'm leaning towards thinking that he thought she was dead. That's what I'm leaning towards. Yeah. I think I'm leaning the other way just slightly and I, I kind of wonder if he, you know, took Ahsoka's saber to be like, you know, if she is alive, you know, this could still be evidence of her being dead and I'll just walk away from this until, you know, it's it presents itself in the future because we know kind of in Rebels he sees her as, he calls her the apprentice and that's like a very Sith thing to say. Mm -hmm. Like I, I feel like in those episodes he's, he is going there, going to her, hoping to gain, you know, an apprentice in his own personal rule of two and, you know, Sith journey to one day take over his master and replace him. Um, I think he has that bit of hope that, you know, this old friend from his past could potentially, he could hold on to that attachment and make her, you know, be his, you know, Sith apprentice. Um, 
So maybe he like left her out there for that purpose. I don't. But I don't do know. you think he would have tried to track her down to to make that switch earlier? Because even in episode three, he's like, "I'm more powerful than the Chancellor. I can overthrow him." So he already felt like he could do that. Like he was so confident in his powers that he could overthrow the Chancellor. And I feel like he got into a place as Vader where he was just comfortable, where he felt like he didn't really even need to take the chancellor on you know i don't know yeah i don't know i also feel like that things change a little bit when all your limbs get cut off like maybe you're not that able to single-handedly or maybe he had like you know gets starts to second guess whether or not he can yeah i'm a i'm a huge anakin fanboy so i feel like even with anakin's limbs all gone that he would have been able to take palpatine out well eventually I wonder if, like, though, you know, you, you could just cut your arm off and now you've just been put in this big thing. It probably takes you a while to, like, yeah. <laughs> get, it, get it together again. Yeah. He'll have to, <laughs> you know, work on walking and, and stuff first. But. <laughs> right. But uh, it was just, like, such the, the artwork behind everything that was going on. It looked like a painting and you, like, almost get to see behind Anakin or, Vader's visor almost see like his face behind the red lens and it's just such a just a beautiful very final ending but also very open-ended in so many ways which is just true Dave Filoni style and I, I don't know I just I don't think I could have asked for it to be anything more beautiful and thought-provoking than it than it was yeah one thing that I love about Star Wars is that, especially Dave Filoni, is that they're very good at making you always want more. You feel satisfied with the conclusion, like even in Rebels, right? They have that like a whole separate thing where yes. you feel good about the story, you feel good about where the characters are, but you're like, okay, but yeah, where's Thrawn? Where's Ezra? What's Sabine and Ahsoka going to be doing? What <laughs> is this Jason kid going to become a Jedi? Like, you know, you have so many questions, but you're also satisfied at the ending because they right. did such a good job. And, you know, even with Queen Shadow, um, you know, not to kind of go into book club now, but um, if you've read that along, there's, uh, you know, the epilogue. Um, and if you haven't, I'm going to just say a spoiler real quick. So fast forward a little bit. Um, but the epilogue is where Padme dies, and that's, you know, that is finale. That is that is the end. Padme is gone. This book is about Padme, and the epilogue is her, you know, funeral. And But then we have Sabe, and Sabe gets a message from Bale, and you're like, okay, well, now what are they going to do? You know, like, everything just pops up, right. and there's something new. For everything that you get answered, you have a buttload more questions, and it just it's never-ending, and I think... Getting fans to constantly want more is the goal of Star Wars. <laughs> I I think they do it. It's so it's unlike anything else. I mean, you can compare it to Marvel in a way, but even then, the comic series are something completely different than what you see in the cinematic universe. And this is just something that they've able to weave from from comic to TV series to book to. Movie, everything, and have it all be cohesive and all be uh, interwoven parts of the same story is just so epic. And there's nothing else like it. And and that mystery and the not answering all the questions 
it's number one amazing that we're still able to have questions after all these years. <laughs> but <laughs> but like that's what makes it so fun. Like that's why we're sitting here and doing this is because they're they're just able to create such complex and thought provoking stories time and time again. It's just. I'm just so appreciative. <laughs> yeah. Hats off to the creators. Yeah. Thank the makers. <laughs> for sure. But, I mean, it's hard to wrap, put a wrap on something so epic as the Clone Wars series finale. I'm, I'm just so glad to be podcasting at a time when Clone Wars is, was airing new episodes. And this has just been so fun. Clone Wars has meant so much to me as... A Star Wars fan in my own personal fandom it is what got me um, so interested and so enveloped in the Star Wars fandom. Um, so this has been such a wonderful ride, and thank you, Dave Filoni. <laughs> yeah. I am right there with you. I mean, I remember going to the theater when the movie came out, um, at midnight, I remember when episode two came out and we first got introduced to the clones and, um, uh, my buddy, I was in sixth grade, I think at the time I was, I was 12 and, uh, he's, he saw it before me. He's like, yeah, the clones are good guys. And I was like, what? The clones are good guys. Cause I had been playing with them because the toys always come out, you know, before the movies do. And, um, I had been playing with them as if they were stormtroopers. Because that's what I thought that armored right. characters were, you know, they were bad guys. And so I had to totally, like, rearrange my thought process and, and realize <laughs> that these were clones and they were, you know, members of the Grand Army of the Republic. And, you know, I, I remember so many, I have so many memories with Clone Wars. And, and I remember going to Fan Days in 2009. I was 19. And that was uh, the uh, convention where... Um, you know, unlike any convention today, Dave Filoni was signing for free, sitting at a table with a small line. Imagine Dave Filoni now sitting at a table signing for free, how long that line would be, you know, yeah. um, it would be insanely long, but, um, you know, I just remember going to meet him and they had like all the Clone Wars cast was in one room and you could go like literally down a line. It was, it, I'm not even kidding you. It was $60. To get Ashley Eckstein, James Arnold Taylor, Matt Lanter, Tom Kane, D. Bradley Baker, uh, Nika Futterman, who's Ventress, and uh, Catherine Tabor. There's oh what is God. that? Seven autographs for sixty bucks. Like right. it was and insane. I, I think I just like spent eighty bucks at the last celebration to take a photo with Ashley. Yeah. You know. And I the photos were free. Blown up. The photos were free. <laughs> It's insane. Like, it's amazing how much Clone Wars and Star Wars in general has really grown and evolved over the years. And, you know, Clone Wars is a big part of what has not only brought new fans to the fandom, like like you, Jesse, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's kept us, you know, as a fandom, uh, I guess... Um, satisfied is not the right word but like it filled that void when there were no movies coming out you know yeah. and i feel like so many people even this year were more excited for the finale of clone wars than they were for the rise of skywalker you know so yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how much 
time and effort and, and everything goes into the Clone Wars. And everyone who worked on it, everyone who voiced it, everyone who's had any part of it did a fantastic job. Um, if you... If you you know haven't seen all the episodes, I highly recommend going back and doing that because this series is one of the best productions that Lucasfilm has ever done. I think so. I I'm right there with you with that. I just I feel like it is a true testament to how much it added to the story overall um, from beginning to end. Um, just adds so much more depth and it makes me think of I mean we posted this we've posted this a few times but posted it again recently uh for May the 4th uh, Dave Filoni talking to everyone at Ahsoka Lives Day at Star Wars Celebration Chicago um, talking to everyone in their beautiful Ahsoka uh, cosplays and even just me hanging out on the edge of the picture in my Tano t-shirt from her universe um and this was right before they were going to show us the Clone Wars uh, panel and the new trailer. And right after, you know, maybe like a month or two after learning Clone Wars saved. Um, and he just, you know, basically opened up to us that if it wasn't for everyone showing so much love and support for not only just Ahsoka, but the Clone Wars series as a whole, that it, it they would have never been able to finish it without we the fans so we did it guys yeah <laughs> good job <laughs> good job everyone good team. Yeah. <laughs> Go. <Yeah>. good work <laughs> yeah it's a phenomenal series and it brings so much to the story of star wars so well done jesse thank you for leading us through the final four episodes of our clone wars discussion over the last couple weeks um, I know Clone Wars is super special to you as it is for a lot of fans out there. So I'm very proud of you. You did it. Good work. Um, it was fun. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm very excited to kind of get uh, more Star Wars discussions going. So obviously we don't have any new content now as far as like actual parts of the story. Um, but we are going to be doing the, uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about the, uh, documentary series that the Disney gallery has on Disney plus right now covering the Mandalorian. So the first episode is out right now. I haven't watched it yet, but hopefully, uh, tonight or tomorrow, maybe I'll, I'll get that up on the screen. So I don't know, Jesse, maybe we'll do every, uh, couple episodes for that, or maybe we'll wait till, you know, we're halfway through or something to mm -hmm. kind of talk about that, but that's on our radar for sure. And then um, we are starting up, you and Amanda are starting up a brand new uh, show, which will be videoed. So it'll be a video. And do you want to tell everyone on our podcast what that's going to be? Yeah. So me and Amanda are super stoked about this, that we kind of had inspiration from uh, reading Queen's Shadow and Book Club and all the girl power involved in that novel bringing you know Padme's character to even more life than it was before we wanted to start a series where we just kind of highlight and appreciate um, the women of Star Wars and so whether that is it, um, a Star Wars character or a uh, woman who works on Star Wars like Kathleen Kennedy and there's so many more um, or just highlighting a uh, female fandom, you know, Star Wars fandom member. Um, 
we're going to just have these episodes where we just deep dive into which female characters inspire us the most. And um, it's just kind of like a girl power love fest. Um, it's definitely not a girls only club. So boys, you're still invited. But <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just something that me and Amanda, I mean, it, it, it means a lot when there's characters that uh, you can connect with. And I don't think gender always, you know, makes is like a definitive of whether or not you can connect with a character. But um, it is definitely important to have that representation. So we're just gonna kind of have a girl power show. And uh, we're excited to share it with you guys. It's called Space Buns. I don't know if I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Inspired by Leia, obviously. Um, And we're we're just really excited to kind of uh, get that show kicked off and our first episode is Padme so um, we had a lot of fun kind of just sharing what is the most inspirational parts of Padme uh, to us so yeah. be on the lookout yeah be on the lookout very soon because uh, it's basically all edited just need to put some finishing touches on it so uh, it's definitely in the pipeline so probably within the next week week and a half I would say it'll be out so definitely make sure to be on the lookout for that. And I've edited it, so I I can I can uh, attest that it is not just for girls. I'm a boy, <laughs> and I enjoyed it. So and I enjoyed the show. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then in addition to that, we also are in the middle of reading the Rise of Skywalker novelization for our book club by Ray Carson. So this upcoming Friday, I believe, which is Friday, May eighth. That will be our first day of discussion questions for The Rise of Skywalker. So um, if you'd like to participate in reading that with us, Jesse, where can people do that? You can participate in book club by going on our Facebook group. It's an open uh, public group. You can search it under TSO Book Club, and you can also participate in Twitter um, under the same handle, TSO Book Club. All right, perfect. Thanks so much for that. And Jesse, if people want to find us on social media other than the book club, where can they do that? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube now, all under the same handle at Twin Sons Outpost. Emphasis on the YouTube for all of our upcoming video shows that we're working on. Yes. So not only will Space Buns be out there, but uh, I'm sure, I don't know if we mentioned it on this show before. We might not have, but um, we used to have a segment called How's Your Star Wars, which we would have at the beginning of our show where we talked about new and cool and upcoming things that uh, have happened to us or that we've done in our lives relating to Star Wars. And uh, we have now decided to make that a video. So Jessie did her first one, and I've got my first one out there, and Amanda will be next. So we're going to kind of just rotate through uh, the members of the Twin Sons Outpost team to create new videos for you guys. And these are gonna be on our YouTube channel, which we'll also share on our social media pages. But we wanna know also what's going on in your guys' lives. If you have something exciting that you're really happy with or excited about relating to Star Wars, please comment with it. Or if you wanna make your own video and uh, shoot us that, we'd love to watch it. Yeah, share your Star Wars with us using the hashtag, how's your Star Wars? And we will definitely see it and maybe share it on our platforms as well. All right. 
Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 169 of Twin Suns Transmission. It's been an absolute blast to discuss the Clone Wars with you, Jesse, and I hope everyone listening to this episode has enjoyed it as well. Um, it's sad to see it go, but, uh, you know, it got the ending that it deserved, so I think we can all be happy and excited about that. If you're looking for places to listen to our show, you can find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store. You can also find us on our website, which is www.twinsunsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You can find all of our episodes there. And you can also find us on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. Hopefully everyone had a fantastic May the 4th and hopefully everyone's staying safe and inside with all the uh, COVID craziness happening out there. So please stay safe and uh, we'll see you guys next time. As always, may the force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Airmaster Tatooine. It's controlled by the hut. Rendezvous point on Halloween. This is your mother to meet the king.